Did I take enough data into consideration? And if you think it through, you find you never could take enough data into consideration. The data for a decision in any given situation is infinite. Welcome to another episode of Decision Architecture Podcast. My name is Chris. This is an architecture podcast. It's a technology and society podcast dedicated to learning and understanding about how decisions make us and define us and also how they don't. Each week, I try to come up with some sort of topic around artificial intelligence, machine learning, decision theory, decision architecture. And if you're not necessarily familiar with the term decision architecture or what a decision architect is, think of a decision architect as anyone or any agent or anything that is able to construct the procedures or the sequence of how your decisions are infiltrated. For example, if we listen to the COVID-19 issues, depending on how you go ahead and whether you take the vaccines or not, people will listen to certain things, whether it's in their head or on the newspaper or their friends. But, you know, usually people would have to listen to enough information in order to make that decision. So, and today's podcast topic is about... Adversarial search. Adversarial search is a pretty much one of the topics in artificial intelligence, um, which is basically an idea of, of understanding that when you are confronted with uh, problems that arise when you're trying to plan ahead, but there's and there's usually someone else or some other agent. And agents are not necessarily usually for living. Agents are usually the, you know, the machines, for example. You know, think of like Matrix. You know, and they uh, usually are playing against you. So it could be very competitive. It could be a very game-like um, concept. Um, if you're thinking about a game, think of tic-tac-toe. And how, you know, tic-tac-toe is usually a game where you usually are playing on a piece of paper, usually two people, always usually two people, and you have to, you know, you have two different, you know, states. You have the zero, the, oh, the O state, and you have the X state, and then you have, like, the empty space. And you're supposed to try to get three of either one of those states in, in a row, you know, and so... Usually each player, if you're playing and, you're, and I'm playing, you know, O's, I can, based off of which, which one, based on who goes first and who actually, um, how, many, how many steps has gone for, further, your opponent is going to try to, to get themselves access to. Now, that procedure is probably very simple because there's only nine spaces, right? So once you pick who goes first, the other player has eight spaces left to make those decisions. Now, you know, not getting too technical and mathematical about it, um, when you have something more complex, you might want to be able to have a different approach, like a decision search tree or a, um, 
or what we call uh, max-min approaches, where you will um, pretty much uh, can predetermine on what is the best approach by focusing on all of the uh, um, all of the actual uh, possibilities based off of the number of tries and then focusing on um, if you're playing uh, what would be the best approach if for each each purpose now there that, that's usually a large sum that's usually a large um, equation if you have to solve and you wouldn't necessarily solve that well not necessarily you wouldn't at all solve that by hand and um, you know when it comes down to you know building a you know machine or training a bot to solve like play chess and stuff like that a, a lot of the procedures goes into you know figuring out how to solve these things in a clever way you know um, one of the terms I've actually heard was you know artificial intelligence is coming up with clever ways or hacking um, your way through uh, solving a problem that wouldn't necessarily be easy to solve. And because it's so overly complex, you know, um, for example, uh, like I said, the check the chess play the chess board playing it, you know, playing against a computer. The computer, you know, uh, if a human player uses a grandmaster, can use you know can can think of like maybe like I think uh, twenty to thirty to fifteen to thirty steps ahead or something like that, and um, so a computer can do that very quickly and very easily, and they can store much more data and go through much data quickly. But so now, so in this topic, we're going to just go over just like what these things are. I'm going to, I'm going to try to bring up these opportunities to talk about what is actually um, important for these things and why I, I would actually consider, you know, learning more about it. So um, without, uh, I'm also working on uh, trying to, you know, talk more clearly and focus more on, um, preparing the information ahead of time. Um, I'm actually studying this in school right now. I'm actually um, taking my master's in computer science at Brooklyn College and everything's remote. So being able to, you know, uh, like we're not, I might be given an opportunity to write any papers on it, but I'm actually trying to use this opportunity to learn about it. So if you have any questions personally and you want to find out more about it, you know, please, um, you know, send me a um a message at uh, Twitter at Decisions Theory. That's Decisions with an S or uh, Theory, all one word. Um, and, and you can basically, you know, say hi, you know, drop a question there. Um, also, if you want to, you know, email, email is always at uh, LearnicGCM. That's uh, it's not really a very conventional name, but I'll spell it. It's L-R-N-E-C-G-Y. S-I-A-M at gmail.com. And um, with that, um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, I'm going to go over, you know, more of the actual topic. So stay tuned. Hi, it's me, Edisha again. (laughs) And you're listening to Decision Architecture Podcast, a technology podcast about how decisions define us and how they don't. We are approaching a future where we will be able to see how each of our decisions opens a new door and closes another. Decisions, decisions, decisions. <laughs> when choosing what podcast to tune into, choose Decision Architecture Podcast. AI is at the forefront of a new era of computing, cognitive computing. 
It's a radically new kind of computing, very different from the programmable systems that preceded it, as different as those systems were from the tabulating machines of a century ago. Conventional computing solutions, based on the mathematical principles that emanate from the 1940s, are programmed based on rules and logic intended to derive mathematically precise answers, often following a rigid decision tree approach. But with today's wealth of big data and the need for more complex evidence-based decisions, such a rigid approach often breaks or fails to keep up with available information. Cognitive computing enables people to create a profoundly new kind of value, finding answers and insights locked away in volumes of data. And we're back. Um, if you like the promo, uh, that's one of the basics. I kind of took some time in the last two weeks to come up with something that I could start sharing around on social media. And, uh, you know, decision theory is also it's very much about cognitive computing. You know, being able to add some um, intelligence to your computing so that way the... Uh, it kind of brings your, say that you write some code and it has, and you bring the code to life. And instead of the code just solving, you know, by having two, you know, parameters, like a function, like, you know, one plus one is two, you X and Y, you know, X plus Y equals X, Y. I mean, you know, like stuff like that. X, X, X plus Y equals Z, for example. And um, the, the idea behind that is that, if you can get your program or you, you can compute things to, to kind of like figure out these things ahead of time, then you, you can start doing new things. For example, you know, writing, um, uh, teaching a bot to look at information and then detect whether this information is, you know, true or false or um, have a, giving it a photo of something. If you're familiar with, you know, ever doing any um, solving any Google um, security online where it asks you are you are not a bot and they'll probably give you like maybe nine pictures and they'll tell you you know click the picture that's a bridge you know and then each picture there might be three pictures in there that might be a bridge or it might be none and you as a human being could detect that but you're actually helping the computer prim primarily to find out that oh this is a bridge and that's a car or this is a this is a mountain and that's a road and sometimes uh, there are edge cases that things aren't always clear so that's what the cognitive computing would have to come into play and if you can do that you can find out more information within the information there's information within the information and that's what i find fascinating and there's just so much information about that I can't really bring it up all in one space. So what I want to try to try to do in this on this podcast is try to um, organize the information in these nice little nuggets of of uh, what do you call it again? Like nice little nuggets of of like summaries that you can look at and go and look it up if, if you if you're interested in yourself. It even helps me too because as I continue to take classes in this every year or every semester. It becomes overwhelming, like, you know, trying to do the work is one thing, but then trying to make sure I read papers that are about, you know, cognitive computing, read papers about machine learning. And we, I'm actually um, looking forward to a book that's coming out um, by Eric Schmidt and uh, Heron, Heron, Henry K. Kissinger, as well as one other author that I'm not too sure about, but they're talking about, like, why we should be concerned about artificial intelligence and how it's going to change humanity. 
And, uh, you know, so I don't want to go off too much about that. But, like, if you're interested in, like, learning about those things, I'm going to be reading the book. I might even read um, the first chapter on here as, like, a... Um, as a as a way of, of getting people to you know be interested in buying the book themselves um but yeah so today you know we're talking about adversarial search and um the adversarial search is pretty much um something that we can be talking about effectively if you're if you play games you'll be thinking about you know how to um focus on finding the best path towards something. So, it's, you know, if you, I like to go ahead and talk about adversarial searches. Uh, if, you, if you watched the, the, uh, the latest Marvel's uh, t- uh, movie, the series of Avengers, and you remember when, um, what's his name again? Uh, I was at the tip of my tongue. Um, Doctor Strange. Um, was noticing that, you know, the Avengers was actually losing to Thanos in the Avengers Endgame Part 1. And he used the eye of, um, the eye of Amagrano, of Agamotto, the eye of Agamotto, to go through several different, I think 14 million, something like that, 14 million different scenarios of how they could win. And he, out of 14 million, he only found one. But he didn't tell them that, um, he didn't tell them that what it was because he said that if he told him, you know, it, um, they, uh, they, wouldn't, he, they wouldn't do it. So that would probably be some version of adversarial search and max men and pruning off the ones that you do not need. And, you know, there would be a path. And usually if you had to do, if you didn't have the eye agamotto and you wasn't Dr. Strange, how would you prefer, how would you be able to, to find the best path? You know, if you were playing chess against one of the grandmasters, like, you know, uh, Gary Gasparov, the, one of the grandmasters from Russia, um, uh, you would have to go ahead and, and come up with some sort of, like, decision tree. And the, and the decision tree looks kind of like, um, it starts out with, like, a single node, you know, like a single circle, and it usually has two paths on, on each side, a left and a right node. And those paths stem off the two more paths each one. And then they continue to go down until you get to a point where they're either like the game is over or um, somebody wins, you know. And then what happens with that, you can start adding different numbers, ideas on different paths. Like each leaf, for example, would have a certain path. Like, for, for example, you know, if you go down the left node, you would have like a one and a three. And then on the right side node, that those two trees would have you know, uh, a six and a 13 or something. So you would know on the left-hand side, you know, if it's one and three, that it, it's no more than three. It's three or less. And then on the right side, it would be, you know, um, six or higher, you know. And if you and if you are starting, if you're playing chess and you're figuring out, and this is like a chess move, and you knew that you were going uh, second, you, if you're going first, you're always going to take the biggest piece, right? You're always going to try to go out the face. But if you're going second, then you're paying attention to, um, then you're paying attention to the, the, uh, trying to minimize your ideas. Like you don't want, you're, you're trying to slow it down for that person because that person is always going first. So you, and, uh, and it's not, it's not getting it too, um, confusing. 
um, you actually, you know, will have to spend some time paying attention to this. For me personally, in my class, I'm actually spending a lot of time reading about um, how these decision threes work out and how they actually play or play together. And there's a lot of videos on online that helps you to visualize how um, like a search tree would actually would work to find out the right answer. Because you, you would actually would have to pay attention to these things on a, uh, on a smaller scale in order to be able to scale it out and have it work for your larger, you know, project. You know, for example, if you were trying to, you know, do something where you wanted, um, you wanted it to, 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 you wanted to create a bot to get a high score in, um, in Tetris, you know, in some Tetris game. Now, the Tetris game, you know, you, it's like it's just one player, but then the, the, it's also playing against itself. So we have to play many, many games and then figure out which game, which would be the best path. And you would have to kind of like, you have to sum these those paths out by numbers because that's, that's, the, that's the best way computers actually think. They go through numbers. Um, <clears throat> another way of looking at um, adversarial search is, uh, is basically knowing about uh, finding goals when, you know, through conflict, you know. So um, in a normal like search problem, you know, you would actually have a sequence of actions that lead to a goal, you know. So going back to like that, you know, video game, if you're trying to get a higher score, you would have to figure out which way are you, how, you know, what, what would be some of the, the criteria for getting the right score? You know, the amount of time, um, the, uh, the amount of utilities that you may use for how much, you know, and, uh, and these things will all lead out to different ways of getting a game playing. So um, another way of focusing on it is a zero sum game. So, you know, in game theory or economic theory, mathematical representations of a situation in which an advantage that is won by one of two sides is lost by the other. So zero-sum game would be, you know, like, like chess, like, you know. So, um, so rece uh, receiving some situations as zero-sum games where one's person, one person's gain would be another person's loss, you know, zero-sum. Um, but if you're thinking about it in this particular situation where you're thinking about adversarial search, you know, uh, psychological construct of a person's subjective interpretations of a situation. For example, like, you know, if you're at work and you're trying to get promoted, you know, you know that there's only one promotion and instead of, and you might not have just one other person on the team. You might have, you know, few people. You know, you would have to, the, the, the gain of that would basically be obtaining that promotion. And there might be a set of things that you may have to do in order to get that promotion. So you would have to, not only do you have to kind of like, you know, you know, complete the project on the budget or be able to solve the problems that the project was supposed to be. You would also have to make sure that you're playing nice with your, with your coworkers because they also know that they may have, a, it, it, you may not, not only that you might have to lose the the position or lose the promotion to someone else, but you you getting the position may may mess up other people's opportunities for getting other positions. You know, uh, think about it like um, with the uh, with the uh, politics. You know, when it comes down to Joe Biden and uh, Donald Trump. You know, when you know you have Republicans and you have Democrats. You know, if the Republican candidate wins. Then the Republican, um, a lot of Republican uh, backers would actually benefit from a lot of the, the laws and the rules and just them being in power. 
Then if you have the Democrats, the Democrats, you know, winning, then that would also change how things are. Rules won't be differently be made. A lot of things that are already in power would probably get, you know, overthrown or taken apart. So um, if you want to run a, uh, if you want to kind of like play that game and use adversarial search to kind of like figure out how would you get a, how would you get a, a bot to figure out which, which simulation would actually be the best simulation for it. The Democrats to win, you can do that with actual, you know, with actual code. And um, one of the things that would probably would be, you know, interesting to figure out would, would be, you know, to put together a um, simulation of like how the votes go, you know, who votes for what, what, what is the economic, you know, climate right now for a situation. For example, you know, if would have Joe Biden would have won if he, if there wasn't a pandemic, you know. Um, or if, um, if, uh, if they, if they wasn't the same, if there was, let's say if there was how many, um, people were, um, was running, for example, if there was a three-term president and Barack Obama was still able to be president, you know, would that be a possibility to change people? But what are the categories or what are some of the problems or the, the, con- the, the, the situation, this very situational issues that could change adversarial search? You know, so it's it it all comes down to those things, but without getting too complex, I'm gonna just bring it back down to what you know this adversarial search is, is about, and um, you know, an adversarial an adversarial search, you're always trying to pay attention to the uh the the min and max moves and the, and the states that resulting from every possible response that a min could take. You know, so when I talk about min, that's like minimum. And then the max, max, it's like the maximum space. So if, and you're, and if you're looking at chess game again, you know, the person who goes first, I think white goes first. So since white goes first, they're going to they, they're gonna try to take the maximum approach. And then the minimum tries to take the minimum approach. And then, the total, and then each player is trying to kind of slow down each other long enough to get more pieces, to gain more opportunity. And that usually after a while those particular moves are predictable. You know, like the first, you know, couple of moves that I've always heard of is very predictable. It only it only becomes very complicated in the end game when things become very um difficult. Because at the in the end game you're dealing with, you know, um in the end game you're dealing with um with a lot of uncertainty. You know, there might be, you know, a fatigue, there could be um People who are um, frustrated, you know, um, you could have lost a lot of your your best moves. You might, you might, you, you might, you know, if you, if you're playing chess and you lose your queen early on, it could really mess with your. Um, it could really mess with your opportunity of winning the the game. You know, overall, um, how do you go about you know dealing with making the mistakes? How do you how do you minimize your mistakes? How do you learn from your your experience? You know. Stuff like that is could be done is done like almost instantaneously with uh, a machine learning and adversarial search, you know, going into these things. So if you want to have, if you want to, let's say we want to put the adversarial search to um, use and actually have it, you know, a game play itself. Like you would, so you would have you would have to kind of you know have some sort of like um, in program. We have this thing called a hash table, and a hash table is a data structure. That um, very in Python it's, it's called a dictionary. Um, it looks like it's two. It's like it's all, it looks like a tuples. You know, like it's the it's the curly braces, and they are able to store data in key value pairs. You know, 
So you would know the number of, you know, times you've, you've played or the number of um, choices that you've made. And then you can, um, you basically make like, you know, a dictionary where you have a definition and then you have a meaning. You know? So the definition would be the key and then the meaning would be the value. And then whenever you're making decisions, you would go look at your dictionary before you make that decision. And that is one of the most major pieces that you would probably want to pay attention to when it comes down to adversarial search. You're always basically, whenever you make a decision, you're always making a decision based off of the decisions that you made before. And um, you're, you're improving your, your indexing and you're improving your, your dictionary to move forward. So, and, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, I'm not going to go too much into this thing. I really want to make these things really, you know, inf- you know, decent, not too complex. So uh, with that, I'm going to take us another quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Let's try this. So that's the end of the show. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, once again, um, just to go ahead and just recap what this was about. Um, today's episode was about um, adversarial search, you know, and the quote that comes from the uh, artificial intelligence um, approach uh, is in which we examine the problems that arise when we try to plan ahead in a world where other agents plan against us. Adversarial search. So that's like, you know, another word for adversary. Adversary means an, an opponent that you're having a dispute or you're in conflict with. Adversarial search problems are known as games as well, and they cover competitive environments in which the agent's goals are in conflict, giving rise to adversarial search problems. One of the ways that you would use an adversarial search problem is in a zero-sum game. In game theory, that's like chess, or if you're playing... Um, or if you're trying to, you know, outproduce, you know, a particular uh, person in, in a, uh, for assets in, 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 a, in, a, in a game or a business or something like that. Um, the uh, zero-sum game is a mathematical representation of a situation in which an advantage is that won by one of two sides and lost by the other, which is a zero-sum game. 
And uh, we basically would use a two-ply game tree, you know, where you would have, like, nodes for max nodes in which, you know, the max takes a turn and then the, uh, the, uh, the opposite, the, you know, the other opponent would take, you know, min nodes. Um, most of the time, this is usually two players, so that's kind of like how it is. That doesn't necessarily mean there's only two players, but usually, you know, you're playing against two people at a time. It usually leads to a state with the highest min and max value, and the min's best reply is... Um, the best reply is because it leads to the state with the lowest min and max value. So I don't want to go too complex with all of these things, but... There's a lot of information on here. I do like talking about these things and discussing other ideas. The next topic we're going to be talking about is uninformed strategies and why, you know, more uninformed searches are, are better, you know. Um, and some of the things that we use for that is like depth first search and breadth first search and a lot of different computer science, you know, technology. But what I want to try to do about these type of things is I want to try to like bring some real life um, concepts and that makes it much more fun so if you like the show you know please you know leave a message on twitter at decisions theory or you can email me at learning gsim which is uh l-r-n-e-c g-y-s-i-a-m at gmail.com if you're listening to the newsletter you know please be, feel free to you know talk to me on a newsletter you know um, it would be great to uh, find out you know, more and what you're actually looking for. Um, also, I'm, I may be running a poll to find out if it's necessary to have a, what I would call like a video podcast. Uh, I'm thinking about doing that because of the fact that um, sometimes I may want to sit down and draw, you know, some of these little terminologies out for people to kind of understand. Also for me to help understand. Um, but I don't necessarily know if there's a necessary need for that right now. Right now, um, these podcasts are very helpful for me personally, because I spend a lot of day, I spend a lot of time during the week studying for exams and finishing projects and machine learning and data science. So it makes better sense for me to kind of talk about these things at the end of the day, you know, and in, in the house quietly. So thank you for listening, and I'll see you guys next week. What you do is, you go through the motions of thinking out what you will do about this. And then when the time comes to act, you make a snap judgment.